Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Safe Talk. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm alongside my partner in crime, the greatest of all time. Her name is Jenny Hunter. What's happening, Jenny? Oh, Billy, I'm so glad to hear from you so that we can talk to everybody again. I'm sitting here in my sunroom looking out the windows. It's a gorgeous fall day. I love fall. I know I've said this before. It's my favorite time of the year. So I am ready to talk some more. Safe talks. How about you? Oh, let's walk it like we talk it, baby. Let's get after it. I'm feeling good. We're ready to lock in. We're going to do some talking. We're going to share some knowledge. Mostly you're going to share some knowledge, and you're going to crush it as always, Jenny. And before we dive into this episode, of course, if you want to ask us some questions, chime in in any way you want. Please know that you can be a part of this podcast by connecting with Jenny or myself. You can hit me up via email, williampeariodfloyd214 at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on social media at number one, Billy Floyd, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, also on Facebook as well. Jenny, where can people connect with you? Well, I am all over at JR's Hunt for Life uh, on the web. We have a site there on Facebook, a couple of Facebook uh, pages. Uh, my email is jlh35 at hotmont.com. And on our support page, you can message me through Facebook. Um there, I mean, I everywhere it's under JR's Hunt for Life. So if you look that up, then you can find me. <laughs> oh, we got it, baby. Thank you for the information, Jenny. I know for a fact that all the right people are listening, chiming in, doing whatever they can to be a part of this great show because all we want to do is help and we want to talk, and that's how mm-hmm. we do it. So we wrapped up last episode talking about things people said that were code for suicide and we're going to move on from that topic for now we went through 22 different codes and according to my sources aka jenny hunter we have several more codes that we're going to talk about in the future we're not going to talk about them on this episode probably not the next couple episodes but we will Get back into it in the future. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. It's definitely going to happen. And right now, we're going to move on to a different topic. This one is obviously, I mean, they're all, they're all equally important. Everything here is very important. Nothing is more important than anything else. It's all equal. But now we're going to be talking about understanding the causes of suicide. Now, There are several, Jenny. I mean, so many different causes, and it all comes down to mental health, experiences, disorders. There's so much to dive into. So, Jenny, I know we might start with disorders and some mental health conditions to start. 
Um, but I'm going to let you take over, and you can uh, lead it off any way you want. So thanks, Billy. So so as we go through these lists, I want you and everyone to know that these are this is not an exhaustive list at all. When people ask me what causes suicide, I, my answer to them is there are as many causes as there are humans. We're all individuals. We're all unique in our own way. And whatever reason someone might consider suicide may not be a reason why another person would consider suicide. So like I said, there are as many reasons as there are human beings, depending upon our situation. Uh, And that's another thing that we are going to get into here in the future, changes in life, life changes, how that causes suicide ideation, why it causes suicide ideation. Right now, though, we're going to talk about some certain things that uh, that have been studied, and there are some uh, statistics here, and these are documented statistics. Now, I want you to understand that uh, because suicide cannot always be documented, so to speak. Maybe someone doesn't leave a note. Maybe uh, someone, you know, is not talking about it, but that is what they have done. So documentation is very important in the study of suicide, people that have left notes, people that have talked to others that they are suicidal and these others may have added to that documentation. So these aren't the end all, so to speak, but we're going to go through them and we're going to talk about them. And we're hoping that if there is something that anyone here wants to add, please add it. Please get in touch with us, email us, contact us. You can contact us on Spotify. I know for sure there's a spot where you can leave uh, conversation there for us. So <clears throat> let's start with, I'm sorry, I have something in my throat. <laughs> so let's start with mental health. Um, mental health is such a stigmatized thing. And it's getting slightly better because people are talking about it and opening up about it. Mental health is something that people don't like to talk about they they for whatever the stigma is they don't want others to think they might have depression or they might have some other disorder um, involving their mental health and so this is very very um, hard to capture so to speak as far as statistics go so mental health and substance use disorders Uh, people who are diagnosed with these two things may be more at risk um, for suicide ideation than others. Um, Some people may experience overwhelming life events or stressors that make it hard for them to keep going also. And that's going to come in when we're going to talk about life changes. Um, You know, I'm so excited to talk about that too because I had no idea there were studies, exhaustive studies on life changes and suicide ideations. 
So we will be talking about that too in the future. Um, so the reason we're going to go through these, Billy, are because knowing what causes suicide or some of the things that may cause people to think about suicide may help you notice uh, signs in others and may help you uh, know when it's time to get help and talk to them um, because there is treatment. There is a lot of treatment. And not only that, talking about it is the best treatment because when you go into treatment, that's what you're going to be doing is talking about it. So that's what we're doing here at Safe, at Safe Talk. We are talking about it. So let's start right in. Some causes of suicide may include disorders and mental health conditions. So number one, these are not ranked in any type of order. They're just randomly here. So we're going to go through them. Borderline personality disorder. Up to 10% of people that have received that diagnosis die by suicide. I know that personality disorder is akin to a type of schizophrenia. Um, other things are added into this. Now, let me add that um, comorbidity, a diagnosis of comorbidity also makes a, a, a bigger risk factor. And that means you have more than one of these mental illnesses. You have a couple of diagnoses. And that adds to uh, your your mental health issues and your understanding what's going on. Now, as we go through these, perhaps you may have one of these yourself, whoever's listening. Maybe you will understand why you're feeling as you're feeling or why you're having suicidal thoughts because a mental illness is just that. It is a mental illness. It is not an illness in your body like the flu or measles or any of these things. It's just an illness in your brain. Your brain gets an illness. It gets sick, so to speak, and it can be treated. So I want to encourage everybody that may be listening and may have a mental illness. Don't. It's just like any other illness in your body. It can be treated and you can get better and you can live a healthy, happy life. So a mental illness is not the end all at all. Um, I deal with many, many people that have diagnosis of mental illnesses. And the more we talk, the more they talk, the more I listen. And that, I'm sorry, that it's something that it's just like any other illness you may have in your body, like diabetes or a chronic heart condition or any of those things, it can be treated. So you need to talk about it. You need to go to a doctor, get a diagnosis, get some treatment and talk about it because you're going to get better. You're going to get better. This is not a death sentence. Mental illness is not a death sentence. So borderline personality disorder, up to 10% of these people die by suicide. That, that to me, is it, it's just amazing because it doesn't have to happen. This does not have to happen. If you will go into a practitioner, get a diagnosis, get on medication, take care of yourself however they 
ask you to do that, you're going to have a, a normal life, a life that you can live, do the things you want to do. I know from living with people with um, mental health issues that they feel normal. They, they're thinking, okay, this is normal. Everybody feels this, like depression, for instance. Everybody must feel this way. This is normal, and it's normal for them. And when they become uh, medicated, it feels not normal to them. It totally feels different than what they're used to the rest of their the, the life that they've lived up to that point. And they will stop taking their medication. It's very, very difficult to keep people, um, not everyone, but to keep people with a mental illness on their medication. And once they find out that if they stay on their medication, then that's going to feel normal to them. That's going to feel they're going to be happier, healthier, make good choices, and they're going to feel normal, whatever that word means (laughs) to all of us. They're going to be productive in life. So borderline personality disorder is the first disorder. The second one I'm going to read is depression. Uh, They did some research in 2020 that uh, a major depressive disorder is the most prevalent mental health disorder and has a suicide likelihood of approximately 15%. And I, for one, believe that because the majority of people that contact me uh, regarding a friend or family or someone that is suffering from this, it is depression. Now, added to that, if you add a comorbidity, which is another diagnosis like like border, borderline personality disorder, if you put those two together, your risk goes up. Your risk is higher for suicide ideation. And it, it, it is so uh, sad to me that people cannot uh, get this diagnosis and get on medication. And a lot of people can't afford it, actually. Um, medication is very expensive. And I was just helping a young person a week ago or so. Ed that said he could not afford medication, and he was definitely on the red line of suicide. And we talked about it, and I told him how he can go about trying to find indigent help, which is most uh, pharmaceutical companies uh, do have an indigent program where you can apply for it. It will send you that medication for free or at a much reduced cost. And he was, there was hope for him when he heard that. I mean, just that little tidbit that he was not aware of, there was hope when he heard that. So he agreed to check with his doctor and check with the pharmaceutical company and see if he could get on this prescription that would help save his life and make him a productive individual. Um, So Billy, I'm gonna ask you, do you, are you familiar with any mental disorders uh, people that may have an issue with depression or anything else? Have you ever encountered that? Yeah, of course. I think when it comes to depression, 
I mean, everybody has been there at some point, honestly. Like, there was a point in my life where I was definitely depressed. There's been a point in all my friends' lives where I know for a fact they were depressed. I mean, that's just how life goes. We go through ruts. We go through rough patches. We go through unfortunate series of events that leads to this type of feeling of being upset, being really down. And I think when it comes to depression, like I said, I don't care who you are. And I I definitely have uh, empathy for people who are going through it right now. But the key to getting out of depression and the key to not taking your life is by being around the right people and trusting that you're around at least someone that you can talk to. Like during my worst moments of being depressed, being really upset, feeling a little hopeless, honestly, even if I was scared to talk to someone, I just swallowed my pride and was like, well, I either have to talk to someone or something really terrible could happen. And every time I just talked to someone, I would talk to whether it was my mom, my dad, my grandfather, one of my best friends, somebody I looked up to. And even when you don't want to talk to someone, or maybe you have talked to someone and it's helped, then you just got to take it into your own hands and really figure out like, okay, I can get out of this. I just got to put myself in uncomfortable positions to get better, to feel better, to do better, to elevate in a better way. And I know that depression can be really, really dark. And there's points where I know for a fact, like I said, I felt a little hopeless, but it wouldn't last very long. It's just kind of that little flash of like, oh, man, like, am I going to be all right? Like, do I have anything left? And then you're like, okay, let's be real. You do. You have your people. You have your dreams. And that's pretty much all you could ever need, your people and your dreams. Everything you want to achieve, you can't let that die. All the people that you have, you can't let those relationships die. And you got to utilize them. Even if you're around people and you're afraid to open up, I guarantee, I promise, I literally would bet any dollar that I own, any possession of mine, I will put it on the table. I bet if you're depressed and you thought of your closest person, whether that's a parent, a grandparent, relative, best friend, roommate, whatever, I guarantee you if you said, hey, fill in the blank, I honestly am just going through it. I think I'm depressed. I I can't handle this right now. I need to figure it out. Can we talk? Can you listen to me? Can you give me advice? Can you help me? Like I said, I will bet anything that that person will do whatever it takes to help you. I couldn't stress that enough. When it comes Mm -hmm. to the other disorders, you know, to be honest, I've heard um, some pretty unfortunate stories about bipolar and borderline personality disorder. Uh, I know that those can be pretty dark. Um, I I really can't speak too much about those because, I've never had anybody that I personally knew on that type of level have either of those, I don't think. Um, But when it comes to depression, I know for a fact that everybody is either going through it or has gone through it. And I really believe that you can get yourself out of it. Because I have, 
a lot of people I know have, I mean, so many people have all the legends that you look up to, whether they're in sports, music, acting, fame, all of it. They went through it. They will tell you that firsthand. I promise you. So all I want to say about depression is just find your closest person, open up to them, and then take action immediately. And then you'll start to see, okay, I'm not going to fix it all in one day. Like the saying, Rome wasn't built in one day. You're not just going to be happy-go-lucky, all better, but you're going to start to feel momentum. You're going to build a little something, build and build and build, brick by brick by brick. And then you have a wall of, wow, I'm locked in. I'm feeling good. I'm ready. How does that sound? That, you know, Billy, uh, that that is great advice to find your people and to talk to them because it's it's all about talking. Now, I will say this is this this study was on major depressive disorder, which is uh, a disorder that does need to be medicated. There is also situational depression, which is what the majority of people experience through their life. It's it's a type of depression that may come from <clears throat> the loss of a relationship or moving somewhere that is new to you and not finding a job or any kind of situation that um, lends itself to some discomfort and and depression. Major depressive disorder, it kind of comes. It's a it's it can be hereditary. It can run in your family. And that is something that does need to be medically uh, talked about with your physician. So there's all kinds of depression and levels. And as far as any of these others we're going to talk about, there's all different levels of these mental illnesses. I mean, I, I have seen people that have just a tad of depression and to them it feels horrid because they've never been a depressed person or there are those that are kind of I don't want to say born with it but it's genetic and that's all they've ever known that's all they have ever known is depression or whatever the uh, mental illnesses that they sadly inherited from their family genetics um, so I do I have time for another one before a break? Let's actually cut to the break right now. As you say that, we'll take a short little break, get a quick word from the local sponsors, and then we'll be right back to our scheduled program. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Safe Talk. It's Billy and Jenny. We are talking in depth about understanding the causes of suicide. Now, Jenny, you broke down some disorders and mental health conditions. You talked about borderline personality disorder, depression, bipolar. What else do you want to get into? 
Okay, so now we're going to visit bipolar again because bipolar disorder is something I'm very, very, very familiar with. Uh, my husband's family, uh, the males in that family, all the fellas uh, that I have ever known and that he has recalled have had bipolar disorder of some sort. Um, and the thing about this is many, many, many years ago, I'm going to say 30, 35 years ago, bipolar wasn't a thing. It just was not a known thing. It wasn't in the DSM Schedule 4, whatever book that is, of uh, mental diagnosis. It was not a thing. However, in my search to find out what was uh what my husband was experiencing, some kind of behavior that I had never seen before. I, I was scared for him. I was scared for my family. Um, and I started a search and myself. And I actually went back to college and got a psychology degree because I was trying to figure out what was going on with him and the men in his family. And I came across a book that was authored by a fella that uh, every symptom in that book is what my husband had, as well as the men in his family at that up to that point. And I, I could, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that there was actually a thing uh, that I was reading about that, excuse me, that that fit him to a T. And it was, it was very, it, it was, I, I was overjoyed that I found something. However, it wasn't treatable at that time. No one really believed in it. Mental disorders were kind of the disorders that you would go into at that time, like a mental health facility or whatever. And they treated you all the same. It, there was no different treatment. So um, eventually, uh, they did add bipolar to the mental health diagnosis, and they began to treat it. Um, they began to treat my husband, and uh, he, he, he actually went in for treatment, uh, and, and it helped him. Uh, I will say that his, the, uh, one of his older brothers uh, did take his life, and his wife, I gave her this book, and she read it, and she said that's exactly, exactly the way he behaved, exactly what was wrong with him. We're not doctors, but we lived with these fellas, and we know, we, we just know from all the symptoms what was going on, and we, we just know that. So it's a deadly, it's a very deadly mental illness. Um, individuals with bipolar are 10 to 30 times more likely to die by suicide than anyone else in the general population. 10 to 30 times more likely. That is a huge diagnosis right there. That is huge. If you're, anyone you know is diagnosed with bipolar, um, now they've broken it into categories. There's not, it's not just a flat bipolar disorder. They have bipolar one and bipolar two based upon the symptoms. And I'm, I'm just telling you, it is a very, very seriously dangerous illness. 
Um, our son was diagnosed with bipolar. Uh, like I said, the men in my husband's family all had some type of bipolar. Um, one of them had more of the depression side of the bipolar. Bipolar is um, at that time when they uh, actually diagnosed my husband, uh, it was probably 15 years ago, it was manic uh, bipolar. And that meant you had manic episodes where you were happy, 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 and you had so much energy, and you did all of this, and you were going, 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 and you could barely sleep. And then when the depression hit you, you you were down. You were down in a dark room. You couldn't talk. You couldn't eat. You were seriously down. And then a few months later, you'd be manic again. That's what they called cycling. So most people that are uh, manic depressive, manic bipolar, they do have a cycle. Uh, my husband's happened to be every six months, like clockwork, like clockwork. And that was one of the clues as I was reading this book before bipolar was known. That was one of the major clues that I found in the book that, yep, yep, he is, he, he does have manic um, bipolar. So anyone that you know of that may experience this mental illness, this diagnosis, or maybe they're not even diagnosed. Maybe your friends or your family are like, uh, like mine was. They haven't gone to the doctor. There's no diagnosis, but yet you recognize symptoms. I encourage you to get online, go to the library, whatever you need to do, read about mental illness and see how you can help them. See what what can you encourage them to go to their doctor? Can you encourage them to talk about more of their thoughts? Um, that will be a clue to you also. Um, and bipolar can begin at a very, very, very young age, very young age. Um, I did work at a mental health facility um, for about a year, and uh, there's really no age limit on it. It can be very young to very old. Now, I will say that um, the type that um, our family has, my husband's family, it seems to dissipate the older you get in the in your more mature years, like 60, around in there, it starts softening. I don't know why. I don't know if it's something to do with hormones. Um, you know, as you age, your hormones kind of deplete somewhat, if, that, if I can use that word. Um, they're not as strong as they were when you're a young man. I think you probably understand what I'm talking about, Bailey. <laughs> uh, but hormones uh, in a middle-aged um, fella are quite strong. And as you age, you're, with male and female, your hormones seem to soften up, uh, disappear, whatever you want to call it. And so these things that drive you through your life suddenly they're starting to leave and whatever mental illness you might have, you may or someone may experience some relief from that. I know that sounds kind of strange, but that is the truth. And um, so I want to encourage anyone that knows of someone that has um, manic depressive or bipolar disorder, that's, they're all on the same um strain, so to speak, of mental illness. Uh, some 
bipolar people, I think I said, are more depressed than others. We did have one in my husband's family that it was a depressant, just very, very, very depressed. Uh, however, he would have moments of manic. So that is something very serious, as I said, 10 to 30 times more likely to die by suicide. And it can be men or women. That, that it to me, says pay attention. Pay attention to this mental illness. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, I think that's a huge one. We have to pay attention at all costs because you just never know. And when you read the stats and you bring that to the forefront, you're really taken back by it. And it can happen to literally anybody. And you kind of have to be aware of that. And if you know that you have someone in your life that's going through it and they definitely need some help, I mean, people have to step up so they can get the right help. And, you know, when when people have this, it can throw their whole life for a loop. And yes. I know that it's always on, you know, certain people to, to step up and, and to help. So you just got to know that, hey, you can, you can help save a life right now. You know, if it's your sibling, your parent, a very close friend, family friend, whoever it might be, you know, you have a responsibility to, to change their life, to save their life, to, to help them when they're going through something that they might not even be able to control because it's such a, you know, clinically diagnosed situation. Mm -hmm. So it, it might be a challenge because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Sometimes you literally can't control what is about to go down. So you just got to know, hey, if I step up and I be that person, I take responsibility, I'm there for them, I care for them, good things will happen. And not just good things for you, not that type of karma. I, I think good things happen for everybody involved. I mean, if someone has you know, a serious disorder, we, like we were talking about all of them, borderline personality, depression, mm -hmm. bipolar, if, if you take steps towards helping that person, they're going to get better. Like all the good stuff will start manifesting and it will come that way. So the severity mm -hmm. of what it is will obviously stink for a while right away. But mm -hmm. take mm -hmm. time to care, talk to them, care for them, bring them places, whatever it is eventually their head could potentially flip a little bit and change and you'll start to feel good about helping them. They'll start to trust you more. And like I said, good things will come and all the right things will be manifested because the energy you put out is the energy you get back. And that's what it's really all about. So Jenny is, as that kind of uh, ends our discussion here today on this episode, a very lovely conversation to, to start off this little series here, part of Safe Talk, anything else last minute that you want to add before we say goodbye to our listeners? Well, you know, Billy, you always bring up such great points. And one point that you reminded me of is that th th this is uncontrollable. The person that ha may have this mental illness uh, it cannot control it themselves. They, this bipolar illness for positively sure 
You have no control over your mood swings. You you can't say, okay, uh, that's my last mood swing. I can't, I won't do this anymore. I'm not going to allow it. But the neuro uh, chemicals in your brain are dysfunctioning. And they you cannot stop that. You cannot help that by yourself. Um, so when someone is, is, acting out or manic, just understand that, that that person has no control. I mean, I've lived with it so many years. That person has no control over what is going on in their brain. The only way that can be controlled is by medication. And as I said before, it is so important to get them on medication, so important for them to understand that this is not their fault. This is not something that, you know, they were just dealt a bad hand or whatever. It may be genetic, and they may have noticed it in their family as they were growing up and just not understood what was going on. Like, why is my dad so hyper today or for a whole week, and then all of a sudden he's locked in his bedroom and he's so sad. He's so depressed. And, you know, so there is no control over that, and that's how I raised our children by telling them, look, your dad, your dad has no control over what's going on. We're trying to find out what is going on. This is before there was a diagnosis. And, and he, as well as anyone else knew, and it was so frustrating to him that he could not control these, uh, they're not emotions, they're just their behaviors or things that are going on in their brain. So just understand that this person, all they need is to understand what's going on, let them talk to you, like Billy said, um, speak good things, speak, you know, positive things, all you need is a little help, like maybe, like I said, diabetes, maybe you just need some medication, maybe it's something that can, uh, like some therapy, some, um, which we'll get into next time, some uh, EMDR therapy, that type of thing. So we will talk about that next time. But Billy, I'm so glad we talked. I'm so glad that you have these different views and you can you can add so much to the program by just saying what you're thinking as a normal human being. Well, I use that term like loosely. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I appreciate you and um, we will talk again very soon. It's all love. It's all respect, Jenny. Thank you for all the information, the wisdom, dropping the facts and sharing the love. We appreciate you so much. And everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. We love you the most, and we will catch you on the next episode. Yes, we will. Bye-bye. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.com.
www.thepeopleshow.org.